Welcome to Common Happiness with Sonia Kencare. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Tom, and he is a very hardworking yoga teacher and paralegal, but perhaps I should give him the chance to tell us that himself. Tom, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Thanks, Sonia, and thank you for having me on today. I uh, I do work nine to five as a paralegal um, at a mid to big size law firm um, in Chicago, Illinois. And it's, you know, it's pretty stressful in general. And yoga is the thing that I found just to balance out that stress and literally bring a little bit of balance to my life. So in 2017, I went back to, uh, I went to school, like a little, it was a program for a year and earned my RYT 200 hour yoga certification in order to teach yoga. And then before the, uh, the pandemic, I was teaching maybe like two or three classes a month, uh, substitute teaching at a studio here in Chicago. That is so awesome. I remember back when I was in medical school and residency, I used to make yoga a huge priority and it always made me feel so good. Like that flexibility training doesn't get its moment in the spotlight like interval training does, but flexibility feels so good. And now the only yoga pose I'm doing on a regular basis is Savasana, which I don't think is helping my flexibility that much. To clarify for our listeners, the Savasana pose is also referred to as the corpse pose because you literally lay flat in relaxation and reflection like a corpse. That's still a good pose. We all need that. Um, but no, it, that's a more, you know, stagnant pose where you probably aren't getting the strengthening and the lengthening. And you, people think that, uh, you know, yoga typically helps your flexibility. And that is very true. But just to put this out there, you want to strengthen and lengthen the body at the same, you know, with different movements all in the same class. So there is certainly flexibility involved, but some of the strengthening helps to, um, I don't know, just make things a little bit better when you encounter challenges in life, I guess. Let's just jump right into it then, Tom. Are you happy? Um, I mean, more times than not, I think is the fair answer. Um, I think happiness, and I was thinking about this, the happiness is not something you can just say, well, I'm happy and it's done. And then you stay that way. It's kind of something that's always changing and flowing. It's like a wave and you, sometimes you're happy. Sometimes you're not, sometimes you're in the middle and hopefully in the aggregate, you're happy, you know, at the end of your life and at the end of each day. I think it's difficult to be happy at the end of each day because there's so much speed and technology and movement in our world that it's hard to slow down. And nobody ever said, don't use technology too much or don't, 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 don't be, you know, running around too much. Don't be serve, you know, being on the internet or social media too much, but we kind of do it anyways, almost exhaustively. So something today I'll be touching on base on is, less technology equal happiness well but to that, answer your question we're trying to we're trying to find happiness each day and i don't know if uh we're really settled into ultimate happiness yet how do you define happiness for yourself okay so i thought about this too and i and i, I thought of something that my father said 
and it really became my mantra for my happiness. And it's pretty much got, it's got a, it's got a few parts. I'll just break it down real quick. One is socializing. You really have to socialize in order to, or I have to socialize in order to find a sense of happiness in my life so that there's some human connection. Eating healthy and exercising along the yoga lines and also just diet and, and trying to do the best you can with that every day is something that I know leads to my happiness. Another big thing for me is detachment from material possessions. And I like certain clothing for the winter. And, you know, I have baseball cards from childhood. I, I have a television. I, I'm not like living in a hut. But to detach from the necessity for like constant like clothing or new clothing or uh, trying to follow the newest trend, uh, maybe for certain people, it's makeup and all of this just like chasing image and and trying to get more possessions and or different ways to make your, your ego feel good. If you can reduce that, that is something that I do regularly to find happiness. And then finally, I think that the last thing is some kind of reflection or meditation. And that's what ultimately makes me feel like grounded. And I think being grounded is kind of my version of happiness. I love that. It's very Swami meets social meets balance. balance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tranquil. Thank and you. It keeps you from needing to depend on the rat race a little bit too. Yeah, anything you don't have to depend on that little part of life called our, our careers or our jobs. I mean, the hardest thing to do is to not define yourself by your job because you're eight hours there, maybe 10, and then you're, what, sleeping at least six or eight, and then you've got a few to commute and try to do everything else in your whole life to be happy. So if you can define yourself on your sleep and your other interactions and like leave work at work, that's got to lead to happiness. I love what brings you joy now. Do you feel like that's evolved over time? Do you feel like Tom from 20 years ago would define his happiness the same way? Uh, absolutely not. So I'm 45 years old and 20 years ago, I would have been 25 years old. And when I was 25, I had alcohol and big dinners and going out all the time spending money on the wine and the food and like kind of the i don't know the image behind that it wasn't crazy i wasn't going to like the high-end like restaurants it was just like you know i spent my money on booze and food i switched that when i was 28 and it's kind of supposed to be dramatic because it was intentional and i i chose yoga and ping pong instead of alcohol and going out to dinner I play amateur table tennis. I love it. Ping pong and table tennis are both interchangeable. And, you know, they're, <clears throat> this is what I use to uh, basically be happy today in the macro. Before, it was too difficult to be going back and forth on the yin-yang of the alcohol and the food and all that makes you unhealthy and then you want to do it again and you're not being balanced. And so 20 years ago, it would have not been the same, same situation at all. Oh, hundred percent. 
So it sounds like on a day-to-day basis, table tennis and yoga and socializing are bringing you happiness. Is there anything else or can you think of any particular thing that gave you your last belly laugh? Hmm. Hmm. Well, first, as far as anything else that makes me happy is definitely my family, right? Um, Talking to my father and my uncles and just keeping in touch with my aunts and, and just trying to do a little bit of that regularly keeps me connected. You know, they live uh, in another state. I'm here in Chicago and Illinois. And it's, uh, you know, it's actually something that I have to do and maintain in order to stay happy. I mean, I think a lot of people feel that way too, right? With the family part. Totally. Relationships are foundational for humans. Yes. Yes. And that's that's a huge understatement. A hundred percent. 100%. So how do you feel like your perspectives on happiness or your philosophies on happiness have been shaped by difficulty? And this could be like any type of hard times you've experienced in your life. Well, you know, it's the whole, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, right? So, I mean, a lot of things have occurred in everyone's lives to shape exactly who they are. In my life, you know, letting go of wishing you can control the past or change the past or even ruminating on the past, that is a source of debilitation and sadness and kind of resurrecting the pain over and over again, regardless of what the details were. So what I've done through a lot of processes and self-reflection is really just don't focus on that negativity from the past anymore but you have to be aware of it so it doesn't guide you in the future when you're reacting or transferring or projecting from you know those states onto your current situation you know it's so interesting to hear you say that because when i was a kid one of my favorite types of books were um choose your own adventure books me too and i used to hold the pages of all the potential options to read all the options and then keep doing that with like my fingers and multiple places in the books to see if I was getting the best possible overall story. And right. life so much is not like that. And I feel like embracing the adventures you're choosing at each step has so much value, like trying to be a hundred percent present, but then also not giving a lot of time to wondering if you made the right choice before, even if your 2020 hindsight is telling you, man, I probably could have done something better back there. You're absolutely right. I don't know that thinking about it now actually has any role in changing where you're at right now. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's kind of the basics basis of some, I guess, yoga, some Eastern religious and philosophical thought from Hinduism and Buddhism and Sikhism and all this. And it's, it's, it's very true. You know, you asked what, you know, maybe this this is going to be a question for later, but you ask about what makes maybe people happy or me happy. Yes. And there's this really cool story 
from the 1920s, and it involves this guy named uh, Arnold Rothstein. And he was really one of the biggest, uh, let's say, organized gamblers in the country. I mean, by far, okay? And he's on the East Coast. He's in New York City, and he is in charge of a lot of the gambling on the East Coast in the 1920s. And he says he didn't ever drink alcohol. He'd go to all the meetings and drink warm milk which is disgusting. And he says that the problem with people and their inability to be happy comes from one thing. And it says that it's the inability for a person to sit in a room by themselves quietly for 20 minutes. So this is some like what, like 100 years ago, kind of like lone shark, you know, gangster, you know, gambler, degenerate gambler who was shot and killed in 1928 for his gambling. He fixed the White Sox World Series in 1918 for the Black Sox scandal. So it's kind of a little bit interesting for Chicago, but he said that that's why people are not happy. And he had nothing to do with philosophy or gurus or yoga or anything. He just knew the situation uh, from like a truth perspective. So I always think about him and how, if you can actually sit quietly for yourself for 20 minutes and kind of in a yogic way, meditate. I mean, it works wonders because you're always just running with the pace of unbridled technology. I love meditation as well. Interestingly, I grew up being taught about meditation in Hindu culture and didn't really practice it too much and then super deeply embraced it through the Peloton app, which actually has wonderful opportunities for meditation, but there's so much free guided meditation available on YouTube also. It's so centering and calming. Yeah, and it's actually a good use of technology, right? Like 100%. actually transferring, and I've made negative comments about technology throughout this time, but that's one of the wonderful ways that it can be positive, right? It's a, essentially you can quickly get out a positive message instead of something for like advertising or negativity. I agree. So what would you say is your personal philosophy on happiness? Uh, just minimalism and non-material possession accumulation and self-reflection. I think that's awesome. It's such a- You have to do it too. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, it sounds like it's easy and I'm just like, one, two, three, you're good. No, you don't need the toothbrush holder again. You don't need five shirts. You don't need 10 shoes. I mean, you don't, not you or anyone in particular. I mean, the, the worldly global you, we don't, we don't need it. But we might think we do. So that's a struggle. And so it's, it's reductionist. It's minimalistic. It's less. I don't have a microwave. Um, I don't have cable. I don't have any streaming services. Um, I read books. I listen to records. I make some music on the computer. I work on a computer for 40, 50, 60 hours a week. But getting away from technology is the absolute step one to happiness because everything I've talked about has nothing to do with a like a screen. You can't really play ping pong and have to be on your cell phone. 
can't do yoga and be on your cell phone. You shouldn't be on your cell phone if you're trying to communicate with people and have a connection. I so, completely. I always try to keep my phone away when I'm spending time with people. Now that I have a kid, I feel like I need to at least be attentive to potentially a babysitter. Or yes. if my husband's with the kid or somebody else is with the kid, I need to be responsive and available for that person for the kid. But otherwise, any social message can wait until later. And that's good. That's interesting. Like, you know, being a mother, like, that's wonderful just to focus on your child instead of the technology. That's, that's probably, that's, that's going to be integral to everyone's happiness. I agree. Do you feel like there's anything that ever brings you down or can compromise your happiness? And how do you counteract that? Uh, well, the answer is, is of course, and that happens every day um of every day of every life i don't know i mean i don't i guess some people might wake up and be ready to go but usually it's a struggle where you have to be like you have to reinforce yourself and say you're gonna get up you're gonna be productive we're gonna do this today and sometimes you might wake up and feel that way and a lot of times you may not but i think the real answer what i'm trying to say is a forced routine is part of the the, the, the is the pathway to happiness Unfortunately, it comes a lot of times from your job, right? Mm-hmm. Get up, get work, come back. Okay, I'm productive. I feel good. Well, no, that's that's too much stress. You have to try to, one can try to balance it with some of these other things we've talked about, you know, and it can be more like book reading. It can be other sports. It could be prayer and a different discipline, even though yoga is not a religion, you know, it doesn't have to be the things I'm saying. It's just Try to find something that doesn't have a screen involved and that has human connection because that will be lost very soon. Yeah, I mean... Which is why your podcast is really cool. Well, thank you. I was actually going to say that I know yoga isn't a religion, but I would describe it as a way of life in the way you're talking about it because you're not just talking about the strengthening and lengthening, but also the peace of mind and detachment And I think all of those things together can really positively influence someone's life. Like, I feel like it's very positively influencing yours. I couldn't agree more. And I don't just say that it's, it's very true, you know? So it's kind of, like you said, it's a, it's a, it's like a habit, a discipline, a set of habits, your disciplines, you know, you you kind of just have to get yourself regimented in a balanced way in some pure authentic activities in order to find happiness in the modern electronic age right absolutely and i think that finding hobbies can actually surprise people in terms of how much joy they can inspire i could totally see it taking some trial and error to see what somebody enjoys But I really feel like there isn't enough messaging given to the fact that everyone is terrible at everything at the very beginning. And oh, yeah, for sure. At it, you get better. Like, I wish that that was a message given to everyone about anything. Well, that would, okay. So that's exactly correct in so many powerful ways. There's a process behind coming, number one. 
<clears throat> you take your time to learn your discipline. You take your time to learn how to get good at something. You don't have to explode onto the scene and be number one, starting quarterback. You're the CEO out of college. Like, no. And I think, <clears throat> well, I humbly know that in the Eastern cultures, there's a lot more emphasis put on the process than the goal. America's goal-oriented, fiscal-oriented, make the money, get it done, move on, and do it bigger, better, faster, and more. That doesn't lead to happiness. That just leads to profit. And there's a, such a huge difference between those two entities, which I also think is poorly understood, or at least not really well discussed. It's, not it's true. I am enjoying this conversation with you so much, Tom. But last big question, do you have any advice for someone out there trying to cultivate happiness? I think that the bottom line for cultivating happiness is that it has to come internal, has to come from inside the person. So they need to take a look at themselves and figure out what their truth is and really what makes them happy. Now, if it's extra digits in a bank account or extra layers of makeup or extra control of people in other countries, and they really think that's a good thing, then maybe that'll bring them happiness. But they have to figure out really, truly what is important to them and what is really important for humanity and life and what 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 really matters. And if they really take the time to look at themselves in that way and come to an awareness level of, of some kind of perceived truth about what's right and wrong and necessary and too excessive, then they'll be able to let go of some of the desire for money, power, possessions, image, and ego. And it'll lead to their happiness. Taking that moment to reflect on what your true source of joy is has so much value. And I wonder how many people actually pause to do that. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, again, and I and I I know I'm coming across negative, but it's not taught here. It's not the America is not like, will you guys slow down and uh, just hold on a second and pause and reflect on this and decide if it's good or bad or no, we want the next touchdown. We want the next quarter's profit to go up maybe. The next and those quarter. ideals start to suck out the, the avenues to happiness, you know? Right. I totally get that. How do you build or rebuild your joy when you feel bummed out or down? Uh, you have to go outside for a walk. Or I have to go outside for a walk. Sunlight, vitamin D, fresh air, and bodily movement. And get your mind out of whatever the problem is. I mean, I could go to a yoga class. I could go play ping pong too. But usually vitamin D and exercise are the way to do it. Um. I mean, you could have a drink, I guess. I guess, you know, you could do other things, but uh, I guess you could read a book. You could, yeah, go for a run. I don't, I don't know. You have to do something to make your body feel better in the moment, meaning like actually feel better, not just temporary, temporarily like sedated. I totally get that. Actually, exercise is an excellent way to release endorphins, and those are mood lifting a hundred percent i mean 
I think that's, you know, they call it like a runner's high or like these like distance runners feel like elation when they go for so long. And those endorphins that come out, you know, they're not triggered by doing Excel spreadsheets. They're triggered by exercise. <laughs> they're not triggered by doing, I don't an invoice for the monies. Like that's not going to be, Oh, I feel great from that. No. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the human body was probably developed out of some kind of like wilderness scenario in theory. <laughs> So they're used to running and hunting or whatever, you know, whatever was going on. And now we're just literally at 90 degree angles hunched over screens. So if you don't get out there and combat that, you're probably going to not be very happy because you're not doing anything that's extremely naturally human. Tom, I can tell you with certainty that I'm sure I've never heard another sentence where Excel sheets and endorphins were mentioned within the same <laughs> Thank you. That was my goal tonight. It was achieved. Thank you. Good, good. Thank you for listening to Common Happiness with Sonia Kenkare. And thank you so much, Tom, for coming on to share your thoughts with us this evening. You're I'm very welcome. Thank you for conversing on Common Happiness with Sonia Kenkare. And if you like this episode, please subscribe.